Listening to the spiciest fancy basketball podcast with the hottest takes. I'm Adam Klepsig. Going to be a bit of a longer podcast today. Going to go over the Anthony Davis trade request, the blockbuster trade that went down between the Mavericks and the Knicks. Going to go over the top 20 players of the past week, some waiver wire free agent additions that may help your team, go over injury news. And as always, going to hand out the weekly awards. Uh, without any further ado, let's hop right into the first segment. And we're going to discuss the Anthony Davis trade request. Anthony Davis wants out of New Orleans. He, along with agent Rich Paul, notified the New Orleans Pelicans front office that after his current contract is up, he has no intention of signing with the team long-term. Devastating news for the New Orleans Pelicans, but there could be some interesting fantasy implications here. Um, you know, obviously, it depends on where Davis is dealt and who's coming back, but if no center um, goes back to New Orleans when Anthony Davis is dealt. And we don't even know that this could happen at the upcoming trade deadline. This could happen in the offseason when Boston could potentially be in the mix right now because of the way Kyrie Irving's contract is structured. Boston can't complete a trade with New Orleans involving Anthony Davis. So Boston, for the time being, is not in the mix. However, they wait until the offseason, then Boston could be in the mix. Um, anyway, if a center doesn't go back to New Orleans, Jaleel Okafor could be a must-own player. Obviously, right now, the Pelicans are shorthanded. Miritich is out. Randall's out. Davis is out, too, with the finger. And, you know, he his finger might be healed, but the Pelicans are not playing him right now. We really don't know if it still due to that finger or if they're just trying to keep him healthy so that he doesn't lose any trade value. Um, obviously, everyone is talking about him potentially going to the Lakers and playing with LeBron. be interesting to see if that happens. If that happens, then obviously some of those young players in L.A. are going to be going back to the Pelicans. They would all probably get a bump in value. Uh, outside of maybe Lonzo Ball, because Drew Holiday still does a bulk of the ball handling duties in New Orleans, even though he is their shooting guard. He still is the primary ball handler, primary facilitator. But uh, if Ingram and Kuzma were to go to the Pelicans, I would think each of them would see a bump in value. Though Kuzma is playing pretty well with the Lakers as it is. Um, but yeah, I still think his value could go up even more. Uh, Pelicans are also shopping Miritich and Randall. Either of them could be had in a trade, and it looks like they are pretty much ready to blow it up. However, Adrian Wojnarowski has reported that they are not 
Um, They're not intending to trade Drew Holiday at all, so he will likely remain a Pelican through the trade deadline. Um, Main two teams that everybody talks about, Anthony Davis potentially going to, are the Lakers and the Celtics. Like I said earlier, Celtics can't really get into it until the offseason. Lakers can make an offer right now, but you know we'll see what happens. According to reports out there, the Lakers' offers haven't been too serious, hasn't been nearly what the uh, Pelicans are looking to get in return. So unless they up the ante, doesn't appear like he will be going to L.A. It looks like the main sticking point is the draft picks. Apparently, L.A. has been willing to offer up their young players, uh, including all of Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma. Uh, But the sticking point is the Pelicans want first-round draft picks, and the Lakers have not been willing to include those, according to the reports that are out there. Um, So it'll be interesting to see how it progresses. I could see a team like Toronto who has the assets to get uh, Anthony Davis with a package centered around Pascal Siakam. could see them sneaking into the mix. That'd be interesting to see Lowry, Kwai, Serge Ibaka, and Anthony Davis all on one team. I think that team could really give a war- the Warriors a run for their money. Um, obviously, Houston is interested, but they're not really in the mix because they don't have the pieces to make it happen. Uh, So we will see how this all plays out. Um, But really, until we actually see what the trade is, we won't know too much how it affects fantasy. I guess the only main takeaway is if he is gone, Jaleel Okafor could be more of a long-term ad than a short-term ad like he is right now. Um, this wasn't the only big news over the past week. We also had the blockbuster trade between the Dallas Mavericks and the New York Knicks. So let's talk about that. The blockbuster trade between the Dallas Mavericks and New York Knicks. The main two pieces being involved here are Dennis Smith Jr. and Kristaps Porzingis. Kristaps Porzingis, along with Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke go to the Mavericks. In exchange, the Knicks get Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and two future first-round picks. Dennis Smith Jr. is the main beneficiary of this trade from a fantasy standpoint. He's going to start at point guard in New York. He should get fairly stable minutes right around that 30-minute-per-game mark. Um, It remains to be seen what is going to happen with the center rotation in New York. Mitch Robinson sat out Sunday's game due to illness. DeAndre Jordan did start at center. Uh, You still have Ennis Cantor and Luke Cornett around. I don't think all four of these players are going to remain on the Knicks roster past the trade deadline. We'll see. Um, I know the Knicks are trying to move Ennis Cantor. I could see them flipping DeAndre Jordan as well. Um, For the time being, though, I think this definitely hurts DeAndre Jordan's value. Um, It remains to be seen what type of role Wesley Matthews is going to have because you got, you know, young players on the Knicks like Damian Dotson, Alonzo Trier, Kevin Knox, who 
you know, the Knicks are going to want to give minutes to and try to develop. Um, from the Dallas side, the Mavericks have announced that it's unlikely that Kristaps Porzingis is going to play this year. So if you've been stashing him um, and you have another player on your roster that is injured and you need to put him in the IR slot, I think it would be okay if you cut bait with Kristaps. From Dallas's point of view, it doesn't make sense given everything they just gave up to get him to risk rushing him back from that ACL injury. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Porzingis is not going to play this season. Tim Hardaway Jr. should assume the same role that Wesley Matthews was playing. I would expect him to start and get close to 30 minutes a game on a nightly basis. Trey Burke and Courtney Lee, I see them mostly being rotational pieces and not really getting any more than 20 minutes per game. On the Back to the Knicks side, I think this squashes Emmanuel Moutier's value. Tough to see because he was really starting to play well and really come into his own this year. He's still only 22. Uh, who knows what will happen with him, but he is likely going to slot into that backup point guard role. His minutes will probably push down from around 30 minutes to game back down to between 15 and 20 minutes per game. He's out with a shoulder injury right now. So we will see how the minutes shake out once he returns, uh, but probably not good for his value. Uh, that is about it with that trade. We just got to keep monitoring what happens with DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews, but I do think that their value takes a bit of a dip. And uh, this is a very interesting trade. Did not see this coming. Uh, from the Knicks' point of view, I do see why they made the trade. They created two max uh, salary spots in the upcoming free agency this summer. So they can sign two players to a max contract if they want, if they're able to get two max contract level players to come there. Uh, remains to be seen. The main player that they'd want to play that two max players would potentially want to play with is now on the Mavericks. I don't think anyone's going to be coming there to play with Dennis Smith Jr., uh, but we will see. And obviously from the Mavericks' point of view, they did this because they get a budding young star in Kristaps Porzingis to pair with Luka Doncic, and it is going to be really interesting to see how those two play next year. So I think that sums up the Mavericks-Knicks trade. And we are going to go right into the top 20 performers of the past week. All right, time for the top 20 performers of the past week. Got some interesting rankings here. Let's hop right into it. The best player of the past week was Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. 26 points per game, three threes, eight rebounds, 11 assists, Two steals, no blocks, 57% shooting, uh, did not miss a single free throw he took. Great stuff from Damian Lillard, and he's been excellent this year, providing late first-round value. If you were lucky enough to get him in the second round, you got a steal. 
Um, second best player of the past week should surprise no one. It's James Harden of the Houston Rockets. 36.7 points per game over the past week. 5.7 threes, 9.7 rebounds, 6.7 assists. The assists are a little down, probably because of the return of Chris Paul. 4.0 steals per game, 2 blocks per game. That is ridiculous. 42.7% from the floor, and that's probably the main reason why Lillard ended up beating him out this week. And 85.3% from the free throw line on 11 attempts per game, which that's ridiculous. Great stuff from Jim Harden, business as usual. Third best player of the past week was Paul George of the Oklahoma City Thunder. 39 points per game, man. When is, when is he going to cool down? He has been a top five player all year, and you just wonder if it's actually real, if he's going to regress. I don't think he is. I think this might be who Paul George is. And there you could get Paul George in the third round of most drafts this year. Incredible. 5.73s per game, 5.7 rebounds per game, 4.3 assists per game, two steals per game, a third of a block. 53% from the floor and 81.5% from the free throw line. Great stuff from Pauly George. Uh, fourth best player over the past week was Giannis Antetokounmpo, Milwaukee Bucks. 26 points per game, 0.7 threes, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 2.7 steals, 1.3 blocks per game. 51% from the floor and 93% from the free throw line, which is really good for Giannis. That's been something he's been struggling with all year. If he continues to hit free throws like that, he is going to continue to push up the rankings. Fifth best player over the past week was Devin Booker, the Phoenix Suns, 35 points per game, three and a half threes, six and a half rebounds, eight and a half assists, 1.7 steals per game, no blocks. But uh, 59% from the floor, 90% from the free throw line. Great stuff from Booker. And, you know, it makes sense with the assist spike because DeAnthony Melton is still out. So he is assuming more of the ball handling and playmaking duties that Melton was taking over, you know, before he got hurt. But great stuff from Booker. And you really like the type of season that he's having. Sixth best player the past week, and you really like to see this because he's been struggling recently, is Jimmy Butler. Only 19 points per game, 1.7 threes, 6 rebounds, 6.3 assists, 3 steals per game, though. You gotta love that. 0.3 blocks, 54% from the field, and 90% from the free throw line. And as long as Jimmy Butler can maintain those strong percentages and still be strong across the board and you know really get you those steals, then Jimmy Butler will continue to maintain top 15, top 20 value. Seventh best player over the past week was Mike Conley, Memphis Grizzlies. Rumors that he could be on the trade block. We'll see if he remains with Memphis past the trade deadline. 25 points per game, 2.7 threes, 5.7 rebounds, 8.7 assists, two steals, third of a block, 53% from the floor and 83% from the free throw line. Great stuff from Conley. Eighth best player over the past week was C.J. McCollum of the Portland Trailblazers. 30 points per game, three threes per game, three rebounds, an assist, two steals, and a block. 
70% from the floor and 75% from the line. That 70% from the floor is a massive boost to his value over the past week. And, you know, if, yeah, obviously that type of shooting isn't going to, you know, maintain over the whole year. But uh, when you have a week like that, man, that could win you your vehicle for the week. Uh, ninth best player of the last past week, a uh, little surprising here. It is Reggie Jackson of the Detroit Pistons. 20, 24 points per game, three threes per game, four rebounds, seven assists, 1.3 steals, no blocks, 53% from the floor, and did not miss a free throw he took. Those great percentages, along with the boost and assists, are what did it for Reggie Jackson this past week. And he has been a disappointment uh, in large this year. But when he has a week like that, you like to see it, and hopefully he can give us lines like that more consistently. Next best player, 10th best player over the past week, is another Piston. It is Andre Drummond, uh, 19 points per game. No threes, which, you know, Drummond doesn't shoot threes, so no surprise there. 15 rebounds per game, though. Uh, 1.7 assists, 1.7 steals, and 1.7 blocks per game. 67% shooting and 73% from the free throw line. And, you know, if Drummond's not killing your free throw percentage, you know, he's a second-round type player. Uh, So great week from Drummond. The 11th best player of the past week, and this is a guy who's been criminally underrated all year. It's Al Horford of the Boston Celtics. 15 points per game, 0.33s, 7.3 rebounds, but 6 assists per game from a center. That's ridiculous. Uh, 1.3 steals, 2.5 blocks, 62% from the floor, did not miss a free throw. So those elite percentages along with the solid rebounds, assists, and defensive stats are what did it for Al Horford. Next best player, 12th best player over the past week. A guy that surely is not on anyone's waiver wire, but we'll talk about him in the waiver wire free agency section is Macau Bridges of the Phoenix Suns. 18.5 points per game. Four threes per game, five rebounds per game, two and a half assists, three and a half steals, zero blocks, but 74% from the floor and 25% from the free throw line. That's a little concerning, but only two attempts per game. Uh, Macau Bridges starting to look real comfortable out there. And a week like this kind of reminds you of what Otto Porter can do when he's hot. You know, obviously, Macau Bridges just could not miss past week, but he looks a lot more comfortable and is starting to figure out who he is as a player in the NBA. Great stuff from him. Next player, 13th best player over the past week, is Eric Bledsoe, the Milwaukee Bucks. 17 points per game, two and a half threes, six and a half steals, six and a half assists. Three steals per game, no blocks, 52% from the floor, and did not miss a free throw. Great stuff from Bledsoe. Those steals are starting to push up. They had been down earlier in the year, and that is what a lot of his value comes from, is he's usually a two-steal-per-game guy. So great to see a week like this from him. Next best player of the week, 14th best player, Buddy Heald of the Sacramento Kings, 26 points per game. Five and a half threes, 
four and a half rebounds, three assists, a steal, half a block, 57% shooting, and 83% from the free throw line. Great stuff from Buddy, and he's been doing this all year. He just consistently hits threes with a good field goal percentage and a good free throw percentage. And Buddy Heald has been one of the biggest surprises of the season. A uh, fringe ownable player last year, and he is obviously a must-own player this year. 15th best player over the past week, Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. 22 points per game, half a three, 12 rebounds per game, eight assists per game, two steals per game, half a block, 55% from the floor, and 84% from the free throw line, and that is about as Nikola Jokic as it gets. Just a consistent top 10 player on the year, and it's weeks like these where he just shows you what he can do. Next best player, 16th best player over the past week, Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors. Good to see this from Draymond because he had been struggling This comes mostly on the back of defensive stats because only four points per game did not hit a three, five and a half rebounds, eight and a half assists, two and a half steals though, and three blocks per game. 27% from the floor though, but he did not miss a free throw. Um, But yeah, obviously that field goal percentage was putrid. That's why he only had four points per game. But yeah, those three blocks and two and a half steals per game are elite, as are the eight and a half assists per game. So great stuff from Draymond. You, you know, that's kind of what you expect from him. You don't expect to get uh, many points from him, especially with the return of Cousins. But when he can do all those other things, that is what you drafted him for. Uh, next best player, 17th best player over the past week is Kyrie Irving, the Boston Celtics. 26.5 points, 1.5 threes, 7 rebounds, 8.5 assists, a steal per game, half a block per game, 59% from the floor, and did not miss a free throw. Just another ridiculous week from Kyrie. He does it again and is continuing his top 10 season. Uh, next best player, 18th best player over the past week is Nick Lavisvic of the Orlando Magic. 23 points for him, 0.7 threes, 11 rebounds, uh, 4.7 assists, 0.7 steals, and 1.7 blocks, 56% from the floor, and did not miss a free throw. And that is Nick Lavisvic in a nutshell, consistent top 15 player all year. Great stuff from him. And these next two players, uh, great stuff from both of them. Don't really see this being anything sustainable. Uh, Next one, 19th best player over the past week is Myers Leonard of the Portland Trailblazers. 16 points per game, uh, four threes per game, six rebounds, four assists, no steals, no blocks. And this comes on the back of 86% shooting from the floor. However, He did not take a free throw last week. Um, And yeah, this is really just an anomaly from Leonard. Uh, He got a start in there because, uh, um, 
Yusuf Nurkic missed a game, and Zach Collins is also currently injured, so his minutes are pushing upward. Still only 25 minutes a game, but just that elite field goal percentage is what is driving his value over the past week. Next player, same sort of scenario, C.J. Miles, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, same, still only 22 minutes, so... You know, like Myers Leonard, not a guy that you need to go grab, but it's just, you know, mostly for deeper leagues. You like to see a guy like CJ have a great week like this. 15 points per game, three threes per game, four rebounds, an assist, a steal, a block, 67% shooting, and uh, did not miss a free throw. So it's those elite percentages, uh, the threes and the steal and a block per game, which drove CJ Miles' value over the past week. But still, you know, fun to see from a great guy like CJ Miles. All right, and that does it for the top 20 players. And now we are going to move into the waiver wire free agency segment. All right, time for some waiver wire free agency additions that may help your team. First guy is a guy that was taken in the later rounds of a lot of drafts. It's John Isaac of the Orlando Magic. Uh, he's starting to look more comfortable in that small forward role. He's starting. He's getting minutes. The defensive stats are there. Field goal percentage isn't great, but he's starting to rebound more. He's starting to hit threes. And if John Isaac continues to play like he has the past couple of weeks, then he is going to be a must-roster guy. I think you go and you add him now, and you take a look at him. He's not necessarily a must-roster guy at the moment, but he's definitely worth a speculative add especially if the Magic decide to be sellers at the deadline and some somebody like Vucevic or even Aaron Gordon gets traded, then you know, John Isaac's usage on offense could drive up too. The defensive stats are already there, though, so I think you go and you add John Isaac and see how it plays out. The next guy who probably should have been rostered a long time ago is Macau Bridges of the Phoenix Suns. He had kind of cooled off, though, so if you had dropped him you know, two or three weeks ago, I understand. Right now, though, he should be on nobody's waiver wire. Uh, he's really starting to shoot the ball well. He's starting to look comfortable in the Suns' offense. He's playing well with Devin Booker, and he's giving you Otto Porter-type stat lines where he's getting you steals, threes, good percentages, and rebounds. The only thing he's not really getting you are assists, but he does get blocks here and there too. Uh, the only troubling thing is the free throw percentage. Sometimes he can be a little iffy there. However, he doesn't really take enough to hurt you. So if Macau Bridges is available, you go and you add him now. Uh, next guy that you might want to take a look at adding is another young Phoenix Suns wing. It's Josh Jackson. His minutes are really pushing upward. T.J. Warren still out, um, is opening a lot of playing time for him. He's still getting a decent amount of minutes with Warren healthy, but he's getting defensive stats. Uh, the only thing is his field goal percentage can be quite erratic. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Uh, his free throw percentage has much improved. He's starting to get a little bit more consistent with his free throw shot. It's really nice to see that, um, but right now with the Suns being shorthanded, Josh Jackson is scoring the ball at will, and I think you go and you add him and give him a look. 
Next player is Shea Gilgis Alexander of the LA Clippers with Danilo Gallinari out and Patrick Beverly sliding in at that starting small forward spot. Uh, there's a lot more minutes and usage available for Shea. His defensive stats have really gone through the roof, but now he's scoring, taking a few more threes, still under a three per game on the season. But Shea looks a lot more comfortable right now, and he, you know, if he continues to get 30 minutes per game, I think he's a must-add guy. Uh, we got to see how his minutes look like when Danio comes back, and Danio probably will return this week. Uh, but I think you go and you give Shea a speculative ad and see if it can continue. Next player is Patrick Beverly, who has been filling in for Danio Gallinari uh, at that small forward spot. Patrick Beverly's been playing great. Um, in the absence of Danilo Gallinari, uh, he's more of a short-term ad because once Danilo Gallinari comes back, then Patrick Beverly will probably move back to his normal bench role and you know only play those 20 to 25 minutes per game. But right now he's playing great. He's getting you defensive stats, rebounds, assists. Only thing the percentages aren't great. Free throw percentage is fine, but the field goal percentage not so much. But I think you ride the wave with Pat Bev until Danio comes back. Next player is Seti Osman of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, Seti Osman did leave Saturday's game early with a sprained ankle. Doesn't look too bad. He didn't have a brace or anything on it Sunday, according to Cavs reporters. So it doesn't seem to be anything too serious with Seti. But he had really been starting to play well uh, going into that game. Multiple 20-plus point performances and uh, getting steals, getting rebounds, getting assists, being the player that we thought said he could be at the beginning of the year, that people who drafted him late in their draft thought he could be. Next guy, and we mentioned him last week, but I'll mention him again in case you didn't pick him up, is Ken Fareed of the Houston Rockets, filling in while Clint Capella is out with his injury. Uh, and he's just, you know, getting monster stats in the rebound and points categories, getting some blocks and steals too. But uh, he is a double-double machine right now while Clint Capella is out. Obviously, once Clint Capella comes back, you'll be able to drop Ken Freed. But while he's out, which should still be a few more weeks, Ken Freed is playing great and he is a must-add player. All right, and that does it for the waiver wire free agency segment. Next, we will discuss some injury news. All right, time to discuss the injury news of the past week, and there is quite a bit. Jeff Teague still out with that foot injury. Don't really know what's going on there. You know, he's been out since late January with that. Um, but doesn't look too great, and there's not really a firm timetable of his return. Kevin Love should be close to returning. Uh, he's been a full participant in practice the past few days, and uh, Larry Drew doesn't believe he's going to play in Tuesday's game, but he could play in Friday's game, so keep an eye on Love. Gron Dragic, he is going to be expected back shortly after the All-Star break. Kyle Lowry was out Sunday with back spasms. Uh, that is not good at all. 
Uh, Lowry has been dealing with those all year, and you know, hopefully this is just minor, and he's not going to miss a lot of time with that. Jonas Valanciunas, he is close to returning. Good to see there. Don't really think he's worth an add in most leagues. I would say 14-team leagues. You'd probably go keep an eye on him and add him if he is on your waiver wire. Um, but anything 12s or less, I don't really think he's worth an add. Dwight Howard is still at least a month away. Uh, he had that surgery on his lower back, and this just seems like a lost season for him. Ivica Zubak is having an MRI on his left finger. Uh, he left Saturday's game with the injury, played through it because it was on his non-shooting hand, but uh, x-ray came up inconclusive, so they are going to have an MRI done on his left finger. Etwan Moore remains out with a quad contusion. At first, the Pelicans told us it was just rest because he'd been just generally sore. Um, but now we've learned it is a quad contusion. Still, all that really is is just a bruise. So uh, he shouldn't be out for too much longer. Cody Zeller is likely back this week. Jamal Murray is close to returning. He could return Monday. If not, he may return Wednesday. We'll see. Got to keep our eye on him. Uh, Danio Gallinaro. Blah. Danio Gallinaro. Danio Gallinari is close to returning. He'll probably be back either Tuesday or Thursday. Eric White is out Monday. Uh, shouldn't be anything too serious with him. Popovich believes he could play in Wednesday's game. Jaron Jackson Jr. returned to uh, action on Sunday. He missed Friday's game with a sore quad. Uh, not great stuff from Jaron Jackson Jr., but he that was the first game he had missed all season. Oh, no, I take that back. There's one other game he missed with illness. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. returned Sunday. Everything is good there. Had 16 points. Not a bad game from him. Uh, Nikola Mirotic is still out, and we don't have a firm timetable on his return yet. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Suddy Osman left Saturday's game early with that ankle sprain, uh, but he could play in Tuesday's game. Julius Randle is still out with his ankle injury, and we don't have a firm timetable there. Gary Harris is still out with that groin injury, and it seems like he might be out a couple weeks. I know they're still going day-to-day -day with Gary Harris, but it is the same injury that LeBron and Curry had. It is that adductor muscle, so I could see Gary Harris missing a couple weeks. Uh, Robert Covington could return this week. Uh, it seems like the Wolves are optimistic. Either way, he is close. So, uh, obviously, if anyone dropped him, you go and you pick him up. But uh, Covington should be back either later this week or early next week. Uh, LeBron returned Thursday. He did rest in Saturday's game. But uh, great to see LeBron back. You know, he, this the stint that he missed was the longest stint that he's missed due to injury in his entire career. So it was nice to see him return to the court. Almost had a triple-double in his return Thursday. Eric Bledsoe missed Saturday's game with Achilles soreness. Uh, doesn't seem to be too serious, but obviously with any sort of Achilles injury, there's a little bit of concern. 
Uh, but we just monitor, and hopefully he'll be back soon. Lonzo Ball is still out for a few weeks with that left ankle sprain. His initial timetable given is four to six weeks. Yusuf Nurkic missed Wednesday's game with right knee soreness, but the team doesn't believe it's serious. Slow-mo Kyle Anderson missed Sunday's game, and he is seeing a shoulder specialist, which isn't particularly great news. Hopefully it's not a long-term thing, though, and he'll be back soon. But we don't really know, so we got to wait and see there. Anthony Davis is still out with the finger injury. Um, we don't know if that's really what it is. The, they could just be holding him out so that he doesn't get hurt and kill his trade value now that he has requested a trade. I touched on this earlier, but uh, Mav said that Kristaps Porzingis is unlikely to play this year. Alfred Payton uh, continues to miss time with his right ankle sprain and is already ruled out of Monday's game. We do not have a firm timetable for his return either. Lots and lots of injuries. Hate to see it, um, but that does it for this week's injury news. It is time to hand out the weekly awards. The first one, the stat stuffer of the week, goes to James Harden of the Houston Rockets. This should come as a surprise to absolutely no one. 26.7 points over the past week, 5.7 threes, 9.7 rebounds, 6.7 assists, 4 steals and 2 blocks per game, 43% from the floor, and 85% from the free throw line on 11 free throw attempts per game. Just a ridiculous week for James Harden, and he is the stat stuffer of the week. The next award, the lousy line of the week, goes to Colin Sexton of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Only 10.7 points per game, no blocks, 0.3 steals, 2.7 assists, 3 rebounds, 0.7 threes, 27.5% from the floor, 80% from the free throw line outside of that free throw percentage doing just absolutely nothing oof not good to see from the rookie for the cleveland cavaliers he certainly won't be winning the rookie of the week award which is our next award and that goes to trey young of the atlanta hawks great stuff from trey this week 26 points per game 3.8 threes per game 3.8 rebounds, 8.3 assists, half a steal, no blocks, but 49% from the floor and 79% from the free throw line. Trey Young maintains good percentages. He will give you that nice top 50 value, which I think is what you'll be able to expect from him, you know, two to three years into his career. And, you know, I think his peak, once he finally hits his stride, is that nice top 30. I don't know if I quite see him getting into the top 20 in his peak, but I think uh, Trey Young is developing nicely, and the Hawks have got to be happy with what they've seen from him so far. All right, that does it for the weekly awards. Now let's preview the upcoming week, week 17 in fantasy basketball. 
Time to preview the upcoming week, Week 17 Fantasy Basketball. Most teams play three games this week. The only team with two games is the Utah Jazz, the Atlanta Hawks, Indiana Pacers, Milwaukee Bucks, New Orleans Pelicans, Orlando Magic, Phoenix Suns, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, and Washington Wizards all play four games. Now let's look at the back-to-backs. The Monday-Tuesday back-to-back, you got the Detroit Pistons, Indiana Pacers, Tuesday, Wednesday, back-to-back, you got the Charlotte Hornets. Wednesday, Thursday, back-to-back, you got the Spurs. Thursday, Friday, back-to-back, you got the Wolves. Friday, Saturday, back-to-back, you got a little broader pool. You got Chicago, Cleveland, Milwaukee, New Orleans, Knicks, and the Wizards. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back, you got the Hawks and the Magic. And the Sunday, Monday wraparound back-to-back, you got the Mavericks, Heat, and Trailblazers. Um, the teams that don't play till Wednesday are the Bulls, Mavericks, Warriors, and Jazz. Uh, the light game days are Monday, Thursday, only having six games, and Sunday, only having five games. Now, granted, those aren't super light game days, but you know, a little bit less than the other days. And uh, for your ideal streaming team, that's going to be the Hawks because they play Monday, Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, playing on all three of those light game days. If Dwayne Dedman hasn't been picked up by now in your league, he would be a great guy to stream in for the week. Even a guy like DeAndre Bembry or Amari Spellman, both of those might be decent ads for the week. Other than that, that does it for the week 17 preview. And that will do it for episode seven of Habanero Hoops. Thank you all for listening. It'll be interesting to see how all the Anthony Davis drama plays out. The trade deadline is February 7th. There's a good chance that that night we will do a uh, trade deadline podcast reviewing all the trades that happen and what the fantasy implications are of those trades. Uh, It seems like it could be a pretty busy trade deadline this year. So a lot to see. Uh, Make sure if you have the chance, try to open up a few streaming spots because there'll be a lot of guys who you're probably going to want to add in the wake of some of these trades who might not have any value now but who may gain value after trade deadline on the 7th. So just keep your eyes and ears open. Make sure you're checking Twitter. Make sure you're checking Woj's feed and seeing what's going on. Uh, Other than that, I look forward to talking to you then. Goodbye, everyone.